Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to Two Chunks and a Hunk. Movie musings for mostly everybody. Welcome to Dune Chunks and a Hunk. My name is Jordan Wonders, and this week I am your chunk. I'm Doge, and the outsiders ravage our land in front of our eyes. Their cruelty to my people is all I've known. What's to become of our hunk, Paul? And I'm Carter, and the test is simple. Remove your hand from the box, and you die. What's in the box? Chunk. Is that from Seven? I love mm-hmm. that. What's Thanks hey, for Dosh. that uh, that Mini Monday game drop for us. Yeah, there, for Paul. real. Thanks, Paul. That's so cool that Timothy Chalamet and Denis Villeneuve are such big fans of our podcast that they threw that in for us. That's really huge. I mean, those of you on our five dollar Discord tier, guess which usernames belong to them? They're, it's like the circle. Which of them is a catfish for actually Denis Villeneuve? They're bo- <laughs> they both share one username, and it's Adam the Sound Wizard. <laughs> Adam's not even in the Discord. Adam's been Denis the whole time. <laughs> We're like Denis. Denis the listen, real Denis was the friendships. We listen, made along Denis, the way. we know you're working hard on Dune Part One, but can you please send us back the wave file of our audio so we can post our episode? That'd be huge for us, Denis. <laughs> hey, speaking of huge, Doge, yeah. why are you the hunk? It's a simple reason, really, and it's because I haven't read any books that got turned into movies lately. I'm not a nerd. I like cool things like skateboarding, pepperoni pizza, backwards hats, video games. I realize now that I'm a little bit describing that I'm a Ninja Turtle. I'm not a Ninja Turtle, but I'm also <laughs> I'm not a nerd. I like, I'm I like or Max nunchucks. Very, I like post staffs. I like hanging out I like hanging out with size. my with my three brothers in the sewer where we live with our mouse dad. Our dad the rat. <laughs> mouse dad. No, it's because I'm not a nerd. Naive. It's because I'm it's because I'm cool. You to, this is amazing though. When's the last time you got to just lean in and like be the person be the who nerd. hasn't read the book? I've yeah. never been cool. I'm the Ab- only Ab- person Car- who hasn't. Ab Jordan, I love this book about the spicy planet. You're gonna have every chance. <laughs> you're gonna have every chance to make fun of me too. So Ab- you can even Ab- it Car- out. Ab Carter, I love this book. It's like Game of Thrones in space, but also has some Star Wars. <laughs> and I'm Doge, and I like cool stuff. I like running. I like being outside. I like the sun. I, I like, like stunner books. shades. I like Kesha's discography. <laughs> I'm a big fan of chains with spinny things. <laughs> More like Doge who knows Hermes walking speed. 
This you have to I give it know. to me. I've never gotten to be the cool. A oh cool yeah, no, jock. you can get it. That, you get, I'm a cool it to jock. jock. Is all it takes to be a jock just having not read a book for a sci-fi <laughs> epic movie you just watched? Is yeah, I'm like I'm, a jock. I'm like a bad look. Can you see this leather jacket I'm wearing? It's because I'm cool, guys. What are your these version of jock out of your is neck? so antiquated? It's just Fonzie, <laughs> and he didn't even play sports. What? Doge, stop elbowing the jukebox. We've got a podcast to record. Yeah, that's me, guys. I'm just the cool one. You're going to listen, listeners. You're going to hear a lot of honestly just crap coming out of my other two hosts' mouth about all this <laughs> nerd stuff you don't care about. Just stick with me. We're going to ride it out. We're going to be Here's cool. What? Doge has covered his room in mirrors and just keeps fixing his hair. We're going to shove them in their lockers when the episode's over. (laughs) Here's what my own personal approach to having been someone who read this book will be. I also have the acknowledgement that I don't think a lot of people have read this book. For sure. So if I'm sharing things, it's just because it was special to me personally. This movie is also definitely like an adaptation. There's way too much in the book to fit in. So, I mean. Well, sure. Mostly because you watch this one, one. but read the book. This is only like the first 250 pages of the book. (laughs) Oof. Um, The movie, by the way, we're taking a break from Chunktober. Or are we? No, we are. Um, (laughs) Even though Shai Halut, pretty scary. Pretty scary. Um, We're taking a break from Chunktober to bring you Really the only movie worth talking about today in the whole world, which is uh, Denis Villeneuve's sci-fi epic known as Dune. Dune. And uh, boy, boy, howdy, I cannot wait to talk about this. Doge, give me a synopsis so we can jump in. This week's synopsis is written by Warner Brothers, but what do they know? A mythic and emotionally charged hero's journey, Dune tells the story of Paul Atreides, a brilliant and gifted young man born into a great destiny beyond his understanding, must travel to the most dangerous planet in the universe to ensure the future of his family and his people. As malevolent forces explode into conflict over the planet's exclusive supply of the most precious resource in existence, a commodity capable of unlocking humanity's greatest potential— only those who can conquer their fear will survive. I'm going to super dump right now to get it out of the way. Ooh, 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 ooh. Uh, because I'm really not going to have much negative to say about this movie for the, pretty much the rest of our talking time. So I'm going to go okay. ahead. It's a combo super dump that both stem from, I guess, the phrase uh, film adaptation of a novel. There is so much information that adds to this world that is left on the cutting room floor because it has to be, and I understand why it has to be. Um, And there's a lot of stuff that, as I was watching, I was like, oh, sick, Mentats. If you haven't read the book, you have no idea what it means when that dude's eyes roll back in his head and he's like, this is a number. Um, So there's that kind of stuff. You don't really understand why spice is as important as it is other than it helps navigate. You don't understand really why so much. It's not really super explained. And then on top of that, I'm going to I'm gonna tack on, this is cheating, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to tack on to my super dump. If this sequel doesn't come out or doesn't come out for like a long time, no, I'm going to be a sad boy. I was reading a lot about that. Denise says he's expecting if it's greenlit. So that's important to be clear that the sequel has not been green yet. Greenlit yet. Warner Brothers has not said we're going to make the rest of this story. I'll say this. The, the like 
the chairman of Warner Brothers basically, when asked, said, "Well, you saw how it ended." Yeah. So, I mean, and they did, they did the same thing with it. It's it's actually kind of interesting that we talked about it last week because right. that pretty audaciously and boldly ended with the title card of it, Chapter One, which was the right. first time we knew that it was right. going to be yeah. a two part situation. That one, that one was only a two year turnaround. So Denis Denis says that he at the earliest could start filming late 2022. Woof. Mid to late 2022. Which is fine. We just want it to happen, right? Yeah. They didn't shoot it back to back the way they did Lord <clears throat> of the Rings. Right. So anyway, that's the that's the end of my negative thoughts about this movie. Let's start talking about <laughs> Dune. Um, I have not been this excited sitting in a theater watching the beginning of something in a very, very long time. Um, it's not a secret to longtime listeners that Denis Villeneuve is my current favorite director. Um, this is the same cinematographer as Arrival, I believe. Um, I think so, yeah. I can't remember his name, unfortunately. Uh, this, he's he's up and coming. He just was announced as a cinematographer on something else that I, I just remember seeing. Crap, what was that? Uh, not Arrival. It's the guy who did Rogue One. Yes. His career yeah. right now kind of reminds me. Frazier. Yes. Kind of reminds me of the composer for Mandalorian. It's just like this young guy that oh the Batman is doing everything. Yes. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah, he's I mean, he's DPing. So he's he's not the cinematographer. He's the DP for for Batman. But yeah. still, yeah, unreal. He's great. I mean, this movie is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It's really pretty. Yeah. Huge, huge pump to the design team of like these ships and the colors that we choose because the entire movie is brown, but yet it's still interesting to look at. I've, yeah. I've never quite yeah. seen anything like these ships. The dragonfly ships are pretty cool. I don't know if They're that's a book so thing. Sick. Because again, the I'm ornithopters, cool. yeah. I'm way too busy hanging out at the pizza parlor, I don't remember setting if high they were scores on pinball. Like dragonflies. I don't remember. It's been, yeah, a, but that was, it's been about that a year was, since I've read it. Pretty cool. Uh, yeah, they looked amazing. The all, all the designs, the the aesthetic of this world feels very lived in. In the same way, I think that that audiences probably felt in 1977 when they're like, "Oh, Star Wars. This world is. It's not the Enterprise, right? It's run down and old and lived in, and it's been here for thousands of years." Yeah, yeah. I so full disclosure. I left my theater thinking that if. If a sequel happens and it all comes together, I think I will be thinking about last night the way that people who saw Fellowship on opening night felt. Yeah. Just like, wow, I was I was on the 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 beginning of something. Yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. I I I mean, I'll just speak it into existence. I think I, I'm I'm there's there's going to be we'll finish this story. I think we'll finish the story on the big screen. I think even if it doesn't do what was projected in the box office, uh, what it was actually projected, not Carter's projections of grandeur (laughs) several months ago, um, I think this movie was done well enough that it'll get enough buzz. And we have seen seen enough influence that just general audience has on things being created. I think there's no way that we don't get part two of this. And I wonder I too, I and I have to go back and look because really the book is in three parts. Did he, has he said whether it would be a trilogy or just two movies? Originally he said just two. Okay. He's, then he's maybe they should two stick to adapt. He's taking two to adapt Dune, but he's planned them as a trilogy with the third being an adaptation of Dune Messiah. 
Oh, okay. Interesting. That'd be pretty huge. Um, Denis, yeah. I think the one thing, I think the biggest player in this movie is the biggest player in either scenario of it being made or not. And that's Denis Villeneuve. I think sure. if Warner Brothers tries to bully him into doing things he doesn't want to do, he might just drop, right? Doesn't it feel yeah. like he'd be the yeah, kind of he'd walk. He's probably yep. going to be between honoring this story in a way that he feels like only he can do, which I mean, he's probably because this is his that. dream project. I mean, it's yeah, probably 100%. important to note that he's wanted to make Dune his entire career. Yeah, yeah, and it, I think you can tell. Again, we don't really get to know exactly even even after we see the titles of the people you know we've got like a set designer officially on IMDb we've got a director our producer composer we don't really get to know how much Denis is in this movie we do know that he tends to just be a little bit of every bit of influence on everything that he does it feels mm-hmm. like he's thought about this for a long time he's credited like, yeah. as a screenwriter like yeah. he's been working on this script for for decades yeah there's a lot of his sensibilities that you can see from like Arrival and Blade Runner that have carried over into this, like the way that ships hover in sort of a menacing way over landscapes and like the monolithic structures that just sort of dwarf everything around them is very Blade Runner. Like, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. You can just see the lessons he's learned elsewhere coming to fruition here, I think. Um, yeah. And I think it works really well. Doge, I'm curious, as, as somebody who hasn't read the book for real, did you <laughs> yeah. feel like you were... Did you feel like you were able to keep up here? Yeah, totally. Yeah. That's the thing. Like, I think I, I don't get the explanation of the uh, the math boys. Because again, that's a nerd thing. I'm cool. Sure. Yeah. But, math um, numbers. Yeah, it's dumb. you know, I don't really get a good explanation for that or the Bene Gennes- Bene, Bene Gesserit. Bene Gesserit, yeah. Bene Gesserit. Uh, but I don't know that I need that. I mean, it's nice to have, and certainly when you're sure. reading a novel, you've got the extra space. You've got pages sure. to fill, Frank Herbert. So tell me all about brain math and mouth And that's witches. what I was but, thinking while I was watching it was like, maybe maybe just for the story that is at the heart of this, that extra world building when you can show me stuff you couldn't show me in the novel isn't absolutely necessary. Yeah, I don't really need to know why, like, I don't need to know why in the year 10,183, I think it's, why it's possible to do brain math like that or why there's mouth magic or like, right. you know what I mean? It's just, I accept it because- Let me infer, yeah. A weird and wild story. In the same way that I don't have to know the whole history of Gondor or the story of the fall of men or like the yeah. the first battle with Sauron to appreciate the the story told in Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings. Yeah, right. it's got some great story beats early. We, we know that there are uh, entire cultures that don't like each other. You know, it's like, that's yeah. all we need is like, hey, they've, they've got a rift. Here's a little bit of what the government looks like. Here's some economy yeah. thrown in. Uh, here's some weapons. I've got to say, great job on the, like the shields. Here's the thing. Mm, okay, cool. so I'm going to go ahead and super pump and I did not think that I would super pump this, uh, but it ended up being really important to me. I super pumped the script and I'll tell you why. Mm-hmm. I When I finished Dune two days ago, this felt like something that I just needed to read, you know, because of my interests. And uh, it was just fun to have this prepared for the movie and things like that. But I personally did not enjoy Dune, the book. Mm, I, th- okay. I think, I, I mean, I enjoyed it. <clears throat> kind of it. a slog. I mean, it's not just that it was, I mean, I've also read Tolkien, right? Which can be a slog. Sure. It's full with na- it, the same amount of names and they're harder to pronounce. Man, that but, first half of Fellowship of the Ring is 
nigh unreadable. Yeah, for sure. It, it is it, so tough. For me, it's it was just kind of like, I think overall, it's not like a top five of this genre for me in terms of like these kinds of books. Um, but I understand its influence and I get, you know, the impact and the story. Sure. And so when I'm watching the movie, part of my own personal experience was I was kind of getting some more clarity from the movie than I got from the book. And it wasn't just okay. seeing things enacted. It was uh, cool. just seeing dynamics a little bit better. And I was like, oh, that's right. It was kind of a like calling back to something I didn't completely understand. And maybe it was kind of a leaning in on the visual learner. It was better for me to go into this world via the movie than the book, which is an yeah. incredibly mm -hmm. unique experience for me. And I don't know if I've had that before. I definitely found this a more enjoyable consuming because experience. I think it had to be, the script had to be, uh, there's got to be a better word than dumbed down, but it had to, it had to make more sense in the way that it had they to be spoke. digestible. Yeah, yeah, it just had to be digestible, and I think I do think Denis did a good job of that because Jordan, that was one of my first questions with Chelsea and Mike, who I was with last night, because neither of them had read the book, and I was like, "Did you kind of right. get what was going on?" And they just kind of gave it back to me of, of what was happening. I was like, "Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what's happening," and so yeah. cool. I think for that to be digestible was a huge deal because yeah. I think it's a it's a really interesting, unique story while, yeah. while it still has a lot of the beats that we see all the time, right? Just on a different world. Um, it felt like important to, to be consumed by anybody. Well, I think that's a, that's a pump for me as well is that it, it does hit a lot of beats that we're familiar with. And so like knowing what I know, uh, which again is not much about this nerd crap because of my skateboard with flames on the bottom. Why are you trying um, to reinvent yourself? Everyone liked the other Doge. <laughs> well, uh, knowing what I know is is I mean, most people who saw Lucas's first pass at Star Wars when it was called uh, it was called Journey, Saga of the Will of the Wills, the Journeys of Luke Starkiller, like something wild like that. They were like, "Oh, you're this is Dune. Like you're basically making a Dune." Uh, and so I, I really like that this movie is unafraid to and unapologetically hits the beats that Star Wars hits. You know, the yeah. hero's journey stuff in broad strokes, but even the specific of like we're using the voice as if it's a Jedi mind trick. Which so maybe right. we're using the Jedi mind trick as if it's a voice. And sure, the moment of turn off your ornithopter is exactly Luke turn off your targeting computer. Right, and right. that's. Fine. I mean, I even thought that in the movie. It took me out of the movie for a second, but I don't know. I think there is, uh, like when Disney adapted John Carter uh, a couple a couple of years ago, a decade ago probably, um, they they intentionally shied away from the stuff that would make people think, oh, this is kind of like Star Wars. Even though both John Carter and Dune, or, or the novel The Princess of Mars, uh, and Dune were huge inspirations on Star Wars. And Disney was, right. was sort of afraid to invite that comparison. And in contrast, Denis seems to not only invite and also welcome the comparison and sort of celebrate the, the shared heritage of like, yeah, this is, this is sci-fi. This is what right. this right. genre is. And it's weird and it's wild. And you've seen a lot of it before, but never quite like this. Not yeah. like this, yeah. Yeah. Which seems to be this movie's hook to me is like, yeah, but not like this. Right. Um. So, I mean, visually unique. I feel like Hans Zimmer's even flexing some fresh muscles in this a little bit. 
You look like you disagree with me. I feel like it I was. Just, you're over Hans Zimmer. It seems like. Yeah, I, I Hans Zimmer to me um, is great at soundscapes and great at big, loud things. But Hans Zimmer almost never writes melodies. That's true. Which is kind of a bummer to me. I, I'm a, a huge fan of the John Williams, Alan Silvestri, even Michael Giacchino does, you know, kind of that old school of composing of like, let's write a 16 bar melody and develop a theme throughout this movie. And like the only real melodic thing in this movie is uh, some of the like, the kind of like Tibetan throat singing stuff that yeah. he does, which is very cool. Uh, and then the I'm the pretty bagpipes. sure that was the language of the Sardaukar. Yeah. yeah. And the, the, the bagpipes of House Atreides, which is yeah. such a cool idea. Is that in the novel, yeah. the, the bagpipes? I don't remember. No, I think that they did. That's something that I think you get to do when you yeah. have just like regions and yeah. different civilizations and stuff. That's fun for movies. That's kind of a blank slate is like, let's have a bunch of, visceral things associated with them. And I think the bagpipes yes. move was great. That was that so That was so fun. cool. Hans Zimmer is an excellent sound designer. And I mean, he's won Oscars for composing. So I'm, I'm not here to say he's a bad composer. Uh, but I think his strength is Just way, more, way more in the producer realm, in the sound designer realm of like, yes. hey, during the attack on House Atreides, let's just have the brass be blasting as loud as possible. And right. it's like that works, but also I think we could support that idea maybe melodically rather than just sonically. Yeah. Like uh, if it was like bum 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 Again, I mean, that's the most like thumb up my own butt take on anything sure. movie I could have. <laughs> but you're actually, allowed to. Actually, Hans Zimmer is not And I'm really sure there's great. a ton of people that agree with you. I, I really enjoyed it. I, I kind of like, yeah. I love the super melodic um, sort of like John Williams-esque scores. I really do. I just, yeah. I also like the sort of like haunting weird soundscape stuff as well. I do so too, I'm, I'm but I, I, I feel like, I, I don't know. I just feel like there are composers who do that haunting, weird soundscape stuff better than Zimmer because they don't dial it up to 11. You know what this I mean? Goes like to it, 11. Yeah, sure. it's, I don't know. Yeah, I just, I hear it, the, the fall of House of Trades in particular was the moment where I was just like, this is like a whole lot of just kind of indescript blasting from our high brass and from our synths. But, you know, it, it, it works, I guess. Well, let's talk about somebody that isn't Hans Zimmer. Let's talk about Duncan Idaho, Jason Momoa. This is my favorite thing I've ever seen him do. Okay. Wow. I really, really enjoyed his level of charisma as Duncan Idaho. I thought that he had um, comparable levels of charisma and like on-screen character as he does in Aquaman but without the douchiness. Without, without the, the bro. The, yeah. Yeah. Guitar riff. And he, like <laughs> he, Duncan Idaho and Paul's relationship is one of my favorite things in the book as well. But seeing them on screen, like get excited to, I don't know, something about the scene where Paul runs up and Duncan Idaho like lifts him and they kind of spin together reminds me of one of my favorite things in Lord of the Rings, which is the 
the lack of shame in the male friendships to be like emotional yeah. with each other. Um, yeah. So something about that was really, really fun. And I, I don't know. I just loved that Jason Momoa spent half this movie, well, half the time he's here, clean shaven um, and like with a ton of personality. Yeah. His yes. hallway scene, I I like cheered when he stood yeah, that back was awesome. up yeah. to take out just a couple more. That's like a that's like a movie moment. Am I to understand? Scene. Am I to understand that he's so incredibly coordinated that he slows his blade enough to pass through? Yes, that's a, exactly what it is. So that's very cool. Yeah. Yes. So that's the whole thing. And they give us they don't that really too. Explain think, it. Uh, they kind of do. Um, oh n- no! They explained the sword thing with Gurney. Oh, oh yeah. Well, actually, trains. with with Tim, the first time that Paul Atreides is touching like quickly his hand and it's blue, 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 and then slowly puts it down and it's red. Mm. I yeah. think from that moment, it was like, oh, okay, you have to be slower that's, to actually. Yeah. To me, that's a hallmark of like, that's a great show, don't tell. Yeah. Uh, and that's something that like, I, I think that's, I, I really love mid-century sci-fi, like around that time, um, mm. like Arthur C. Clarke, Philip K. Dick, all of that stuff. And I, I think one of the hallmarks of those kinds of ideas is they all feel sort of intuitive mm-hmm. where it's like, I don't need an explanation of the history of this shield generator and, and I don't need pages of backstory on it because it just kind of makes sense. Yeah. Uh, and I'm are able to listen to it. Frank, like, are you listening? <laughs> we don't need I'm, I'm, a 90 page index. I'm kidding. It's a I'm able to intuit that, uh, wow, Duncan Idaho is a great warrior because he's able to kill people who are wearing shield generators. Must be right. that he slows his blade enough and then speeds it up once it's past the shield, yep. shield generator. And like yep. showing I the can darts just, getting through the shield generator was yes. terrifying, especially when he gets I can just in, intuit that stuff though. You know what I mean? I, I don't yeah. need the explanation. So maybe maybe that's a place where non-book boys like me uh, are, are sort of able to keep up and engage with this. I think For that's sure. a, just a great job filmmaking. And it's it's fun. I hope they eventually go into it. You actually see it on screen one time um, in the the fall of House Atreides. There's a ship that blasts another ship that has its shield active, and the ship that shot also explodes. And so the reason that they are back to swords is because the shields blow up if you hit them with a high speed laser, and essentially the like getting electrocuted with water the explosion travels along the laser and kills the firer as well. So mm. they had to switch back to blades for like close one-on-one combat. It's really interesting. But this movie is full of can I give really real awesome quick stuff though. like that. Yeah, can I give one more? Uh, I'm so glad they use this as a like uh, narrative tool. I think Please. I, in terms of getting educated on the Fremen and on Arrakis, having Paul watch these little videos... Yep. As he's going through this this how to book, was was brilliant because we don't need it. There is a they balanced the show don't tell with just the straight up blatant tell because I think yeah. this is you needed to have that in Dune. That was one of the things that I was worried about the most uh, in terms of the on screen interpretation of this world and just Frank Herbert's writing was like how are they gonna how are they gonna let us in like how are they I mean, gonna you help either, us understand you either do something like that. Or you have somebody who Tell already knows this information. It. Yeah, that's one of my least favorite things. Is the like, as you know, Dune is a desert planet, and the other person's like, right, and there's big worms that live under it, right, right. and we have to walk slow so they don't hear us, or we have to sand dance. And I know sand dancing is a special kind of movement. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. right. <laughs> you either do that, dancing. or you open with like a big voiceover. Yeah, uh, yeah. and I think this was just the right or a choice. crawler learning as Paul learns. 
Yes. It's fun. I agree with that completely. Yeah, there, there's so much. I have to be very careful to not do our favorite Chris Farley bit about this movie because there's so much stuff that I could be like, oh, and the part where they um, where they blow the you're the allowed chip up you read the book the fireworks you can do it. Just the visuals are amazing. Like I don't know, I I just can't get over. I'm gonna watch it again on HBO Max probably this weekend. Just now that I've seen it in theaters, I'm gonna go nuts on it while it's still available Ooh, for free. Don't here. let the knee. Don't let the knee hear you. I already did it one time in theaters. He'll be fine. He'll be all right. He'll forgive me. But yeah, the, the, man, there's just um, there's so much here. Yeah, hearing the uh, natives of Arrakis referred to as Fremen and not how I read it as Freeman. Freeman, I did same. Basically, I had a flashback to like 2002 when I realized it <laughs> Hermione. was Hermione. It was Hermione, not Hermione. It was just like, oh. <laughs> and then it's also like, um, it's Bon Iver. You know, it's like we you, you <laughs> kind of hear it. You hear it for the first time. You're like, oh, the Fremen, cool. Um, I, let's do yeah. some, I, I, I want to do some characters uh, in general, how we would with a normal movie, but then in how I compared them in the book. Um, first of all, almost my super pump was the casting choices. I think Dude. these were perfect. And I love too that it felt like the Fremen were kind of a collection of cultures. Um, mm. I think letting Javier Bardem for one of the first times really just talk like Javier Bardem, like right. lean yeah. into his Hispanic accent, I think was a brilliant choice. Um, and having Kynes, the actor that we chose for Kynes was wonderful. Um, I think all the casting Kynes? was really good. Leah Kynes was the one, the one the between judge. worlds. Yeah. Okay, cool. The one who was supposed to judge whether or not the Harkonnens had fairly handed the planet over. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think all of our castings were really, 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 really good. I remember I reading, as I was reading the book, and it kept describing... Uh, Paul Atreides is having these kind of eagle-like features. Yeah. I was like, oh, so Tim. Tim. So Denis grew Tim for this. Yeah. He found yeah, a lab and grew him there. Uh, Gurney Halleck, I think Josh Brolin as Gurney already felt like, duh, because he kind of yeah. plays characters like that sometimes. But when he yells in Paul's face that the Harkonnens are brutal Oof. and he's just so harsh about everything, uh, I'm kind of sad we haven't seen him play his uh, his uh, basilet. Is that what it's called? What's the what's the long oh, the the thing? Um, man, I can't. remember It's an what's instrument. Called. He's also a musician, and so I think we'll get that again. Journey's basically a bard, like a fighting bard. In it's book. amazing, uh, but I think I think he did. So a he's great metagaming job. then, if he wants. He's basically all those metagaming. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think there was someone. I don't think there was a bad casting in this movie. And I was trying to look at it at a, at a lens of just, you know, is Stellan Skarsgård a good choice for a baddie that's kind of gross? Yeah, for sure. Yes, you know, it's like he not even is. having to know the background. Yeah, it was great. But that's one good. of those things where it's like, I, I am able to keep up, but it was certainly strange to see uh, him floating, to see him fly around and oh, then yeah, submerge man. in his, his chocolate syrup. His like goo. I, don't super understand any of that. But again, I I don't think I'd need to. Like in the two right. towers, we see Uruk High come out of the mud and we just go, they're coming from mud, That's I guess. They come I don't from. know. Yeah. It's not um, fair, but I almost super dumped uh him eating so tough. Dude, so I was much. gonna I was gonna say yeah. we got and our I'm gross a, eating scene. It is I'm in an IMAX too, guys. And I'm just oh, like mm. 
Oof. Yeah, that was rough. That was him quite rough. Floating up in like the trail of his robe when he floats up. Horrifying to look pretty at haunting, visually. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, pretty rough. And I love rough. It. it seems like to me, and this I mean, this might be cynical. It seems like to me all the expensive folk died in this one. <laughs> you know what I mean? We have uh we have essentially whittled down our cast to a normal movie size going into part two. And and, and I don't know if anybody is still alive or comes back as a blue sure. force ghost or whatever, but it sure. seems to me that we've we've got rid of uh some of the folks who would be drawing maybe a bigger paycheck than my guess Tim is they had Zendaya. to make room for the effects budget of the second half is just my guess. Yeah, probably. Yeah. For sure. Um there's a there's a few things obviously that we still have to talk about, but first we have to go to shout announcements. Welcome to Shout Announcements, the part of the show where we give shout-outs shout outs. and make announcements. I want to give a shout-out to you, our lovely, Thanks. lovely listener. Um, but only if you rate and review our podcast. <laughs> it's, Ooh, uh, conditional. Yeah, conditional love. That's my whole That's my whole shtick. Conditional, fully conditional love. I, I don't think it is exaggerating to suggest that the most important thing you could do for our podcast is to rate and review us on the iTunes podcast app. Even if you don't use iTunes, go over there and do it. It is huge for our algorithm. Other podcast uh, conglomerators, collectors, podcatchers. There you go. I think is what they're technically called. Other podcatchers that aren't Google or Android use the Apple podcast reviews for their algorithms as well. It's just huge. Quick shout so out to Hannah, Hannah, Hannah G. Cohen, who just gave us a review. Thank you, Hannah. Wonderful. Thank you, Hannah. One star. Massive. I hate this show. That's crazy. Five stars. <laughs> Podcast Simply Amazing. I never miss an episode. And anytime <gasps> I need a good laugh, I'll go back and listen to an old episode. 10 out of 10. Ooh. Recommend Hannah to all my friends. Braving the icy depths of the worse and worse and worse audio quality the farther you go back. <laughs> I love that. Okay, beautiful. Oh, were you done? That was sort of that was sort of it for my Yeah, I get it, dude. Thing. I get it. It feels like it takes him forever to stop talking. I'm always like is he done? And the answer is usually no. <laughs> Speaking of I'd like to give a shout out to our patrons. <laughs> Thank you patrons for your support. Your economic support for this podcast. Exactly. You helped uh you helped pay for our Dune tickets. Yep. <gasps> And that's a huge deal. That's a really big deal for us. It's a really fun feeling to kind of walk in and just feel really wealthy as if it doesn't mm. even affect me. Feels like I need to wear a suit. Like I come in and I lay my business card down. And I'm like, two, two, two tickets for the business boy, please. They know who I am. <laughs> you know you see I that am. LLC on my card? I'm a business boy and this is a business expense. And I'm a business boy here to do business. It's such a like... 50% joke and then also 50% like it's actually <laughs> weird that we own a small business together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's true. Um, but thank you to those patrons. If you're in that $3 tier, which is the most affordable, you get that extra vote. At the time voting series come around, we just had that influence, that massive influence during Chunktober uh, and is a big reason as to why next week we're going to be doing us uh, as reviewing. I'd say the only reason next week. we're gonna The only reason is because of your vote. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also you're going to get uh, access to extra episodes. And so we're going to be wrapping up our Back to the Future series with Back to the Future 3. It's my journey through time, first time journey through time. Carter's first time time journey, I think mm-hmm. is what we mm-hmm. called it. First time time journey, yeah. That's good. And then yeah. we have the higher tier, which is the $5 tier. And if you've heard us talk about Box Office Ball, season one of Box Office Ball wraps in about two months Wow. Yeah, and so we'll be getting ready to get started for season two of Box Office Ball, which will be our spring calendar. And if you can get in and get on that $5 tier now, or at least soon, you'll have a good chance to get in on season two if you've always had the hankering to do that. So that's one of the biggest things is having access to Box Office Ball. And then just the the wonderful, wonderful community that has become our Discord chat. Um, I I don't think I'm exaggerating. listener? I, I don't think I'm exaggerating when it is, it's active every day, is it not? I, I can't remember the last time that we weren't. Messages right now wishing us all a happy Dune Day. Mm-hmm. Oh, amazing. Amazing. And it's what you would think. It's just a bunch of other chunkies that just love what they love and love movies and have a nice place to talk about all that. Uh, it's basically just a massive lobby uh, outside of your favorite theater. Um, yeah. And so it's it's an absolute worthwhile investment if you guys wanted to jump in on that tier. Yeah, it's a good time. It's a really good time. Speaking of good times, <laughs> uh, I've been having a good time this episode. Uh, I'm bracing my, my bad too, boy man. persona, uh, showing off all of my cool jock catchphrases like <laughs> nerd mm. whenever these boys say something about well, us. It's, it's a little close to home. A stupid book I haven't read. Um, but I think that time is about to come to a close. Uh, it's about to get thrown off a bridge. Uh, and when they try to catch me, I will break my neck. And that's a reference to the death of Gwen Stacy in Amazing Spider-Man 121. Spoilers. And we're, we're going to be diving yes, into... Yes, we're the nerds. <laughs> we're going to be diving into... Uh, every Spider-Man movie for the rest of the year. So so next week, we've got the culmination of our Chunktober 2 series. And then don't you worry, we will be reviewing Eternals. And then after that, for the rest of the year, leading up to the release of Spider-Man, whichever home this is. No way! <laughs> we're going to be reviewing every Spider-Man movie uh, because rumors are each of these, both Toby and Andrew, are going to be in the probably latest, important <laughs> the latest Tom flick. So we're catching up with a little bit of required Spider Manning, uh, but it's going to be a, a really good time. I am actually very very excited yeah, for that series. I'm pretty pumped. Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. 
Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Uh, on, on the subject of Spider-Mans, Spider-Mans, thank you. Ooh. Spider-Mans, I did it. I did it often to make it funny, but now you are the one who looks silly because you corrected me. So stupid. Okay, real quick. I don't recall. I don't recall latex scary milk drinking spider from dune reading dune i don't either what is that thing i i i don't either i I did a little double rod to denis and this like (laughs) five story tall screen and i was just like why is this here this is terrifying it has thumbs it has it's a a people man it's a people thumbs and i'm afraid that because they alluded to our pet, I don't think that's a one-off. I think this thing will come back and eat somebody. Yeah. It's like a it's like a xenomorph shilab. It's so, so yeah. weird to me. <laughs> so here's it's the good. thing about that's me. Good. I'm not a book boy. I don't know anything. My dune brain is completely smooth. You can see your reflection in it. <laughs> it felt like they were setting it up to be... So these... Bad bald boys. Harkonnen. Mm-hmm. The Harkonnens. They have the doctor's wife. The doctor from House of Trades. Oh, yes. I got you. I see they have his wife. It felt like that he was like, give me my wife back. And they've turned her into black shiny spider person. Ew. Interesting. I didn't think about that. So I'm just going to do this. I'm not, I'm not trying to do it anymore. I love that you guys are like, huh, interesting. You're not a book boy. We're going to talk about our nerd stuff now. N- n- well, no, 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 not that. I I think it's entirely possible that you're right because in the book, Dr. Yue, and he, he kind of addressed it here. That's why he was also helping. He's the one who sent Paul sure. all the stuff. He's the one. Helping, I don't remember if they addressed unquote. it here, but in the book, he's the one that tells Duncan where to look for mm. Paul and Jessica. Because well, um, they gave him an, uh, a tracker. A tracker, yeah. So he um, basically in the book- They say that in the movie. He decides that- he knows that they're never going to give him his wife. So like when they kill him and his wife, he's like, at least she's not in pain anymore, essentially, or like his last kind of vibe. So yeah, I, I could totally see this being like a- No. He, she is- I can't too, and I'm, I don't want it. I don't either. I don't want it, but I could see it. Timothy Chalamet slaps- yeah, I mean he's, yeah, he's pretty good in this. I he's think so he's actually good. I think he actually might be a good actor. I think he might be good. The um, oh man, I can't remember the name of the box test thing that the, the it doesn't matter matriarch of the Ben Jesuit Benny Jesuit sends him on. That scene was incredible. Yeah, he yeah. did a really really great job. Major props to to Rebecca Ferguson because Jessica is a huge. I think it's she's the one B of the story of Dune. Personally, agreed and. And to show her emotion that she, it, and it could be that we're hot off the tails of Midsummer too, right? Mm-hmm. When when it's this hive mind empath kind of stuff going on, but for her to feel the weight 
of what she carries as possibly having the chosen one mm-hmm. uh, born of her, right? Here's all this pressure. She's representing the universe's, this sect of the universe's ideals on who's going to bridge space and time. You know, it's like, she, we. I felt the pressure. You know, the tense scene that we have where they like cry and he's giving visions and stuff, uh, that felt powerful. My super dump is in here. Okay. Um, and it kind of is, I, this happened to me throughout the movie. There were a lot of really important things that I think we needed to understand and hear, like literally hear, that we got as mumbles. Mm. And I feel like we just didn't mix well, like sound mixing, like literally mixing. There were some very important things being said when Paul is having those visions in the tent of all of the scenarios that he sees, yeah. whether they end up being a true scenario or not. Uh, when he's having this box test and Jessica is outside saying for the first time, mm-hmm. basically the tag of Dune, that it's the mind killer and giving this really impactful little speech to herself, little pump-up speech that we'll see again. Uh, I didn't understand a lot of it. And I was I, I found myself being concerned that people who didn't know wouldn't understand what was going on. And it felt too important. That was me. I want yeah. to watch it. I, I wish I could have asked Alamo Drafthouse to turn on the subtitles. Yeah. It was it was pretty rough. And I mean, great performances. And and I don't I guess I don't know a way to make it stand out better other than maybe ducking down some of the sound effects and sure. You know, it was it was very difficult to understand yeah. what was being it, said. Th- there's a certain realism that you get with that, right? Because there's a lot of important conversations we have in our lives that we have to like ask somebody to clarify or like I didn't understand what you <laughs> what said. You say? Yeah, but and the, huh? the, but the, they don't do that in movies for the same reason that they don't take potty breaks in the middle of their adventures. Like sure, there's a certain well, level of realism that nobody ever sneezes or coughs in a movie. The thing that that you'll never unsee is that anytime somebody's in a car in a movie, the headrests are taken off the yeah, seats, yeah. so the driver so can, can see turn around and seat. talk to them. Yeah, yep. I didn't even know that. Yeah. Now, now it's all you know. It's everywhere, man. It's it's the worst. Interesting. Um. Yeah. So my let's. My super pump for this movie, keeping in mind that I pretty much love everything about this, is Rebecca Ferguson. Dude, way to go. She almost was mine. I think she was great. She is unbelievable. She's still in her 30s, man. It already feels she's like she's a had career a career ahead of for her, a dude. long time. This is what Kate Blanchett felt like 15 years ago. Yeah, dude. It was like, I can't believe she's done all of this already. And I, she she shows no signs of stopping, but she no. is, she's she's fantastic. a phenomenal actress. Jessica, Lady Jessica Atreides is such an important character in Dune. Like, no question, the secondary main character. Like, she is the secondary protagonist of Dune. Um, it is important for whoever plays this role to have a certain gravitas, an emotional, um connection to Paul that is believable. Like Rebecca, Fergie Ferg is just delivering everything I need her to here in this movie. And I I really like when I'm thinking about Dune, I'm thinking about Lady Jessica when I'm thinking about this movie. Does Lady Jessica kind of feel like Mary to you? Like mother of Christ, Mary? In terms of a role of like, I I was kind of uh, attributing to, it had me wondering like, what was the act, what was the pressure like? I'm having this whole thing and I can have a a separate podcast if we want to do a family of podcasts for two chunks. (laughs) 
where I almost want to write a book about breaking down the stoicism of Christ and the representations of Jesus, because I think we don't get to be empathetic with Christ because every movie we've seen, he's a robot, you know? And so it's like, like, I feel like there's just so much in the text that it's just like rich of like, she's going through a lot. Can we see that please? Right. And so I think when she did that, with the pressure, I'm saying like with the pre- pressures of essentially giving birth to Christ. Right, like yeah. She's right. she's brought this guy about. Yeah, great super pump. Yeah, I, she just, she blew me Retweet. away. Retweet. She blew me away. Retweet. Totally. And also, I didn't want you to stop talking just then, just so you know. I was not no, that's talking because I was very interested in what you were saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, also, I just need more of Javier Bardem. Always. They gave us as much in Stilgar general, as, yeah. as in this part of the book, but I just yeah. can't wait it's like, hey, if if we get part two, you're going to get a lot of this dude, but uh, he's pretty perfect. I, it wasn't until we played Extra Credit yesterday that I was realizing, of course, with these massive names that are in this movie, they've been in movies together before. But having having uh, going back to the dialogue between uh, Josh Brolin and Javier Bardem is kind of funny after seeing yeah. No Country with No Country for Old Men. And then That's Zendaya fun. and Rebecca Ferguson were in Greatest totally. Showman together. Totally. Dude, Zendaya as Chani is, I think, going to pan out to be a great choice. We don't get a lot of Chani here, but um, I think, I mean, so yeah, far, take the I'm bag. actually convinced Good, that she's Zendaya. not. Yeah, for real. Easiest I, millions you've I ever read, made. I don't know if it's true. I read she was on set for four days. Yeah, I, I, mean, I mean, she's got to have the highest ratio of box you know office why ball she dollars to lines. Because she had to spend all that time on the Spider-Man set at probably yeah. similar scheduling. That's probably true. Yeah, I, 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 I'm I, starting to be convinced in my life that Zendaya is also never the wrong choice for a role. Um, so I mean, yeah. you just gotta look at, you just gotta look at Michi. Who else yeah. could have done what she did with Who Michi? else could have no done the transformative power of Michi? Yeah, man, the, the, the women of Dune coming in strong. Yeah, totally. And that's, that's something that you had to lean into too, because Frank Herbert, when he's writing this that's not changing, right? This isn't something to to flex to uh, mirror what's going on like in world culture in right. general of like, this was actually a part, a big part of the book. Yeah, I was wondering that because it's it's pretty, I mean, that, that era of science fiction, that era in general in fiction uh, is pretty heavy on boys. It's just boy, boy time Dude, all yeah. the way down. And then when it's girls, it's, Objectification. Or objectification. You know? Exactly. Lady Jessica in the novel boys. is yeah. a kicks as much butt as she did. Bad dude. She holds cool. Stilgar and everything. She like is the reason that they say, "Oh shoot, maybe we should take them seriously." Cool. Because she absolutely, yeah, yeah. Her her whole thing is basically because this was if this She's was kind of Leia, the Bene Gesserit. It's not like a bloodline. It's like Hogwarts. They're yeah. a school of witches that have decided that they are going to send concubines to every house to try sure. and have it's, the Messiah and also to make more pure bloodline witches. Yeah, it's it's more like the Sorcerer's Lodge from The Witcher. Bingo. Yeah. Bingo, Which perfect. I guess, I guess the Sorcerer's Lodge. Is the, sor- like the, the Lodge of Sorceresses is the Bene Gesserit. Yeah, yeah sure. But um, so she is like, she's not just like, someone's mom that comes along for the ride. She is yeah. more than capable on her own. For sure. <clears throat> may I, and this is tricky. May I super pump and super dumb right now? Sure. Right now, go. Just both of them. Fire it off. And then I'm actually going to hang up the Zoom call. And, <laughs> and you guys could do your nerd crap without me. I'm looking forward to it. Um, 
My super pump is the audacity of this movie. Sure. I cannot believe Warner Brothers greenlit this movie. (laughs) This is not a proven franchise from a not very financially successful director. I mean, Mm -hmm. Denis is phenomenally talented and I love every single one of his movies. None of them make any money. And I can't believe Warner Brothers was like, hire all these big names and big faces and make the biggest, loudest, weirdest non-franchise movie that you can. Yeah. And we're going to pay for it. That is insane to me. I think it's a huge, huge risk to make this movie from a studio standpoint. Absolutely. Because I'm the target audience and I barely liked it. I mean, I liked it. Don't get me wrong. It was fantastic. But I had to kind of work uphill to engage with it. Sure. Because it is so strange and it is so dense. And the novel is pretty typically considered unfilmable. And so the fact that Denis went for it and it works as well as it does is a complete shock to me. And so that's a, a easy, easy super pump. I, I think there was, from the second I, I mean, it was about five minutes into the movie when I was like, oh my gosh, this works. And it's working yeah. and I'm right, in. right. And I can't believe Denis did this. Just a, 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 I'm completely shocked at how well it all hangs together. I had to, I was asking, I'm glad you said this works because I was asking myself maybe every 15 minutes, I was like, is this working? And, and <laughs> to be honest, that's the reason I didn't read the book. Yeah, uh, It's been on my to read list for a decade at this point. Um, but once I started hearing rumors that the movie was actually going to happen, I kind of was like, you know what? I want to not read the book and I want to see if I can judge whether or not this works. Interesting. You took well, the opposite you. approach uh, of me. Appreciate you being that sacrifice. Exactly. So. Well, that's that's the approach I usually take, right? Like if I find out something is going to be made into a movie, I try to get the book first and read it so that I can go and be fully in. But uh, yeah. it wasn't entirely Christmas. Exactly. Yeah. I took that was a slog, by the way. That was yeah. hard to get through. <laughs> we don't need all those pages, Doctor Seuss. I just understand that he's a lean, green, mean Christmas munching machine. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, it wasn't entirely for our podcast that I did that, but I, I also also know it can get sort of exhausting when all of us are on the exact same page and know all the exact same things. What? And so yeah. Um so yeah, that was uh that was a unique way for me to approach an adaptation of a book. Um normally I would have read it, and, and the fact that it works is a huge super pump. My super dump is that one little word that we have all three been saying this entire episode. And that word is if. Yeah, sure. If part two happens, if we get to make Dune part two and potentially even Dune part three, if, 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 I I feel myself being hesitant to engage with this mm. because I don't know if it'll ever get finished. I mean, the chairman of Warner Bros. says, hey, it's going to happen. I'm also old enough to remember the time they announced like 20 DC movies stretching through the end of 2025. Right. Three of those are happening. Yeah. If it was any studio other than Warner Bros., if it was New Line, right? If it was any, uh, any, well, I guess Warner Bros. owns New Line. If it was really anybody other than Warner Brothers, I, I would believe them when they say that this is for sure happening and we're for sure getting a Dune 2. But the fact that it is, as of yet, not greenlit, it is not shot. We st- we'd have to rebuild sets, 
rebuild costumes. Like, we didn't shoot it at the same time as Lord of the Rings. Like, I, I think it's hard for me to know what it would have felt like to watch the Fellowship of the Ring being unsure if the two towers would ever get made, much less Return of the King. Right. I think I would feel like it was incomplete. And we talked last week about the guy who, Carter, you said in your showing or, or something, there was the guy who was like, wait, that's it? When the fellowship ended. Because yeah. nothing really yeah. happens in that movie other than they decide what they're going to do for the next two movies. Uh, and I sort of feel that way walking out of Dune. Nothing really happened here other than to set up the dominoes that were like, it's going to fall. Zendaya's going to be a great choice. It, sure. it feels like this was a trailer for the rest of the story. And I don't know, man. I don't know that there's a way to make this without it feeling that way, other than for me to have confidence that like, okay, Dune Part 2 is coming out next year. You know? Right. I don't know. I was just, yeah, I was looking up articles because it does feel like, uh, granted, it's it's a multi multi million dollar decision by Warner Brothers to decide whether or not officially to green light Dune 2. There's a lot of variables that have to go into place there. And they could even say that and some people can say sorry I can't, I can't be a part of this anymore. I know I was, but I can't now. Right. Um but yeah, it's still it's still all the news right now is still just a bunch of people being like it has to happen, right? Because uh, because of what the CEO said, you know, some 19 24 hours ago. Yeah. Uh that it's like, well, there's a second part. We kind of have to do it. And so they're like, oh, he means it. But yeah. there's still nothing solidified. It's the first so article that came up was Dune sequel. Here's what Dune part two will be about if it happens. <laughs> Yikes. Yeah. <laughs> Which it's is that kind just, of stuff. I Which hate is, it. That's an awful feeling. The fact that that's the prevailing story, I think is going to hurt the box office numbers of this. Hmm. You know, Could if you've be. been listening to the show at all in 2021, you'd know that I have a little bit of hesitancy around the financial success of Dune. What's tough with me, though, here's why I'm on this side. I'm glad we get to bring it up again to rehash it. But I just feel like right now, especially our generation, so I'm, are y'all Gen Z or millennials? Millennials. Millennials. Okay, so like millennials, Gen Z, uh, just American culture in general is a very Kickstarter there's so many things that just happen because people are economically willing it to happen. Like they they're got just the paying for it. And so I think this could be on a grander scale, like people just really pushing. It's like, let's let's do it. Why not Dune 2? I think the best part about it, and it goes hand in hand, and this is part of me just loves how unique of an experience this is in general, just in movies, to be living through this as much of a stress as it is. But it feels like this is going to have such a good amount of momentum because I was so pleased at how well they did. Yep. I think it's a totally different story and it's a different real fear, more realistic fear, if this wasn't done well. Yeah. Or if it was Because then okay. it's like, if they do another one, it's just a money grab. And then my motivations to see the second one, if part one was bad, is just like, I don't want to. Like, I hate that they went and did this again. I'm starting to think Hobbit now. Right. You know, I'm like, we shouldn't do this. So I don't know. I don't know, man. I think the flip side is like, imagine I don't have friends who've read the book. Imagine I, I'm not super into movies because I think the people Warner Brothers needs to convince are the people who who just kind of go see every big and loud blockbuster because it's big and loud. Sure. Not because of any deep investment in the source I material. Don't or, I think this is one, I think this is the the Costco $1.50 hot dog of movies. It's a loss leader. I think that Warner Brothers earns... 
a boost in public opinion and trust in audiences that are losing trust because of the mishandling of the Harry Potter franchise and the DC franchise. Well, Well, but I mean, obviously not box office wise, but critically there, there is a balance that has to be struck. And I think that this is one that they earn so much goodwill from fans that it might be worth it to make a good movie and a good sequel to that movie that don't necessarily shatter the bank. I'm hoping they can channel that emotional high that they no doubt felt whenever Zack Snyder's Justice League was released of just like, this is not a financial decision, but the goodwill that it gains our company is is worth more than we're spending on this, you know? Also, they own HBO Max, so it was a financial decision, but I hear what you're saying. I think culturally, we're in a place right now where we have nuclear levels of technologically driven groupthink. I think... Sure. If we also want to play into it's because everyone else wants it to happen, I think it doesn't matter if people have read the book or if they're ready to understand it. I think that comes into play of like going ahead and getting big names in this movie. I think there's a lot of things that could factor into it. It's to the point now where I'm just talking like, I just want to make money. I don't care if people like it. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to, I want a part two because it it yeah. is a money thing. I don't think Warner Brothers gets to, you know, it's funny with the streaming stuff. Do you have to pay for Dune to stream? Is it so. like what Disney Plus does? So it's no. just free. That's mm-hmm. what's awful. If you have, But yeah. evidently with all the Squid Game stuff for Netflix, it's not like that doesn't make them money. Like, Dude, I'm telling you, I think there's almost no way this doesn't get a sequel. I just think there's almost no way. I think that they the 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 outrage that they would face for making something this good and then just canning it because they didn't hit a box office goal, I just don't think there's any way they can do this. But imagine the confidence you feel in the studio that you feel in New Line Cinemas at the end of The Fellowship of the Ring or the confidence you felt in Marvel Studios and Disney at the end of Infinity War. Sure. It's like, this, is, this story is not even close to over. The confidence that yeah. once upon a time we all felt in Warner Brothers at the end of Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 1. Right. Yeah. The confidence that this is not over. And I yeah. like, maybe it's a character flaw. I do not have that same confidence now. You know what it is? Sure. I, and it could be the reason why, you know, I like the movie more than the book. I think the biggest outlier is the brilliance and the density of Frank Herbert. I, yeah. Nobody, uh, the percentage of kids around the world, much less kids in America that dressed up as Paul Atreides for Halloween after the book came out. You know, like Lord of the Rings, there's been, it has these things like wizards and it has stuff that we're all pretty relatively familiar with for a long time in lore. And then Frank Herbert does this wild thing that didn't get to be born in the cinema. Like like Star Wars was. It didn't get to start with visual stuff. And then they really, really the audience starts writing the script because of just things that they will into existence, it's just such a unique thing. And yeah. it's scary. <laughs> and I like it and don't like it. I, I, I'm with you on that. I, I like it and I don't like it. I like sitting in this like anticipation and nerves. I There's even a part of me that says, if the sequel never gets made, then I will forever talk about how Denis Villeneuve's Dune was completely shafted and was the, the best part A that never got a pet part B. Like, yeah, there will be conversations about this one way or another. I just feel very confident that a sequel is coming. I really do. Um, it is time to rate this movie. Believe it or not, we're going to do that using the scientific cinema scale, which is perfect and as follows: the best thing we could ever say about a movie is own it, don't lend it, buy, buy that poster. poster. The next best thing is buy it. That's followed by rent it, and then stream it. 
After that is forget it. And last, but certainly least, the worst thing you could ever say about a movie. God hath forsaken us. I'll go first because I haven't read the book and I want to give my nerd boys space to talk about their rating for this movie. I am... I'm going to rent this movie. I think it's fantastic. I really, really do. If the story was complete, I would be buying two posters. If part two comes out and it's as good as this, I will retroactively change this rating to buy that poster. You can actually go ahead and bookmark that. I I will record a new rating portion and I will drop it in right here. (laughs) As it stands though, the story's not done. And it's really, really hard to fully invest in this because I don't trust Warner Brothers. I think the two scenarios are this never gets released or it's a surprise drop and it come to part two comes out in January. You know what I mean? Like I think there is Dude, just- that would be, my brain would shatter. Wouldn't that be wild, right? That's, but like it's, I don't know, man. I just, the fact I that- I hate it that is, you said that. <laughs> the fact that it is such a blatant cliffhanger with no, like even it, chapter one, which is the closest thing that's happened recently to this, uh, there was no sequel greenlit at the time that that came out and it audaciously ended with it chapter one as this title card. But that wasn't a cliffhanger. Like the story was yeah. was really over. Dune started with Dune Part One, <laughs> right? The like the story thing. really could have been over after it Chapter One. What is the and Divergent? So like, What's the next one that never got made that was supposed to get made? Oh, it did get made. They finished out that series with some made-for-TV movies. Did they? Did they really? Yeah. Oh, I thought for some reason I thought it never got finished. Whatever. Yeah. But for that reason, I'm going to rent this movie because it is really amazing and it is worth watching even if it doesn't finish, but it just, I don't know, guys. I'm, I'm still, I still have this hesitancy and it's not anything about the quality of the movie. It's everything about the real world decisions sure. <laughs> around what to do next. Sure. Um, I can go next. I'm buying the poster for Dune. Um, I'm buying the poster for Dune if the sequel comes out and is great. I'm buying the poster for Dune if the sequel never comes out and I will hang the poster on my wall and talk to everybody about how sad I am that this awesome thing never got finished. Uh, it'll it'll just be a fun little collector's item about the best, the best part A without a part B. Um, I'm buying the poster for Dune. This movie was when we didn't even talk about the sandworms. How do we not talk about the sandworms? <laughs> we sand made it worms? to the rating without talking about those big boys. The first sandworm attack on the spice mine, uh, the spice mining thing, when it, when they were running, they get to the helicopter. When when Duke Atreides says, we got to go get them. We're saving them. Let's go. Showing how different he was from the Harkonnens before. They save them. They rise up and the worm, the Shai Halud, swallows the mining rig. I had the thought. It's like they reached into my brain and were like, what movie would this like very much? <laughs> yeah. I am buying the poster for Dune. Yeah. I almost our, was never in doubt about this. Our worm introduction was very Spielbergian. It felt like how we got Jaws. Dude, it reminded yeah. like just me got- of the the bridge in Sicario. Yeah. Mm. The like, oh, when's it going to happen? Oh, yeah. we, we got to move. We got to move. Yeah. You know? yeah. Do you, you want to know did, what my honest thought was when I saw the worm introduction? 
We missed a golden opportunity by not doing a same day Patreon release of a review of Tremors on the same day. <laughs> uh, dang. I love how it looked like a big eyeball, too. I know. Very cool. Um, I'm going to buy it because of many things that you've already heard me talk about. But one of those being if uh, Peter Jackson's Fellowship of the Ring came out and that was it, I would not buy that poster. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say that this was, wow, what a great movie. Because it has a, such an abrupt end. I, I find myself pretty similar here to Doge. Um, to where I'll I'll be messy and come back. I'll come back and, and, and buy the poster here. But with this as a standalone thing, even though I have knowledge of what happens at the end, I can't in good confidence buy the poster right now. I just have to buy it. If, if, if this is just talking as like a movie podcast for me personally, talking about this movie, it is clearly evident and goes without saying that it could be much more enjoyable and the other half of that isn't existing yet. That's what makes it more enjoyable. And so I just have to, I can only buy buy the movie today. For sure. But it feels like, what's the chart that, uh, and I'm not, I wasn't very good at sciencing, except for the scientific cinema scale. Mm. What's the chart where it's like, and then it, it gets warm enough that the moisture goes into the sky and that makes clouds and then it rains and then that's what makes things like grow. The water, the water cycle? The water cycle. It's like we got half of the water cycle. It's like, oh, that's cool. Storms are amazing. What happens next? How do I get the next one? It's just like, I don't I don't Zendaya, know. It's pretty Zendaya cool. Will probably be a good call. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, y'all know I'm a Denis Villeneuve slut. So I'm definitely yeah. <laughs> it, it was gonna be tough for this not to be a poster for me anyway. I could have I could have called a year ago exactly like the the scale degrees of how positive we would each be on this movie. Yeah, that tracks. Um, I'm gonna be a book nerd for two seconds as we're wrapping this up. Uh, be a book nerd. <laughs> In the book, when Paul kills, I think his name is Jameis, um, in that like duel. Yep. He cries after he kills him because it's his first kill. And the Fremen are like taken aback. <laughs> and I think they call it like giving water for the dead because they value moisture and water so highly. They're like shocked that he would just freely give these tears for a dead man. And basically, that's a big moment for them of like, oh, he's he's one of us. If he would give water for one of our dead, he's one of us. That'll be the beginning of part two. But they already the left. Part they two already walked be, away. Right, but they haven't done the ceremony of his like actual oh, okay. funeral. Yeah, the last shot was him carrying his body away. I, I don't remember the they, ceremony. They haven't harvested his body for water yet. Okay. Yeah, I bet that happens at the beginning. Be awesome. But that would that would be so awesome. Five years from now, with visibly older. Paul Atreides. Or January 20th. You know, they Call did a pretty now. good job. All, all of the older people are fine. It's like, I'm not going to be able to tell the difference between the amount of Javier Bardem eye wrinkles <laughs> now exactly. and five years from now. Same with Josh Brolin. And then they went ahead and got people who don't age. They got two legitimate uh, like wood elves to play leads in <laughs> yeah. terms of Zendaya and Timmy, Timmy Chalamet. Mm -hmm. So I think we're set. I think it could be six years from now and we'd be fine. Well, Seven? I don't Rebecca know. Ferguson, if it comes out in five years, uh, she'll be in her 40s, which by Hollywood standards means she has to only play grandmas. I mean, she's right. dead. That means but she's going to be the next Aunt May. You see that Meryl Streep interview where she was like, I turned 40 and only got offered witches? <laughs> <laughs> That's so crazy. That's well, funny. to end today's Did episode, you guys like, oh. just, I need to ask you, did you like House of Trades? What? What do you mean? Huh? Like, did you, li did you like it? He's got a thing. He's got a thing. 
No, it's not a thing. I'm asking you, did you like House of Trades? I don't know what that means. Yes. Did you like them? Like as like, like the collection of people? Yeah. Yes. How about Atreides nuts? Yeah. <laughs> there it is. To end today's episode, I'd like for each of us to say our names and if we liked that Doge did that or not. For Two Chunks and a Hunk, I'm Jordan. No. <laughs> Doge, I'm still giggling about it. <laughs> what did you just say? You said, I'm Doge and I'm still giggling about it. <laughs> uh, I'm Carter. I think I did. I'd have to see the second half of the yeah, joke. Yeah, if there's though. a second half of it, you'd bump it up I'd to a poster. I'd have to see the second part of the joke. I'm not sure. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.